Well, what's next? What's the next big thing that we're supposed to do, Pastor? Well, it's that. It's reaching the world for the gospel. If you're taking notes, our first thought is this. The next big thing for you, the next big thing for Oakenwood, the next big thing for everybody who knows Christ as their personal Savior is to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you something. There's a lot of different personal styles and methods. Don't do that. Totally do not recommend you screaming at people from a rooftop. But like the video was trying to imply, you do sometimes have to get down in the dirt. You do sometimes have to get in people's lives. It's easy just to yell at them, you're going to hell, get saved. It's more difficult to get involved in their lives and open yourself up for the opportunity to, well, the opportunity to get hurt. Let me say this, as a church, a church as a church, our goal, our purpose is Jesus. In fact, if you check out one of our many different material items on display, this year our theme is rediscovering the church. And on our worship part, if you had to summarize Oakland Woods in one sentence, it would be, Oakland Woods Baptist Church is about Jesus. It's about pointing people to Jesus. It's about showing people the need that they need to know Christ as their Savior. It's about lifting Jesus up in everything we do. Now, there are a lot of things we do as a church but it is Jesus is our goal. It is sharing the good news that Jesus saves. That is the purpose of everything we do. Let me say this, and I, I want to say it correctly, and if I have to talk with you later, I will. We are not a funeral home. Amen? Now, we help people who are going through a difficult time, and we have funerals here, and we help them out. But we are not a funeral home. We are not a retirement home even though we have a lot of senior citizens. And on Friday, I drove the bus to Grand Rapids with them. Anyways, we are not a retirement home, but we try to help out senior citizens. We are not a nursery, even though we have a lot of little babies and we have little babies in our service, always welcome here. But that's not our point. We're not a nursery. We are not a wedding chapel. Amen, Ken? Thank God. I had a wedding yesterday. Next week I have a nice wedding. That's good. This week was... The groom wore a mask. The theme was DC Comics. Don't any of you get an idea? Don't you do that to me. We are not a monument to our pastor or any individual. We're not a community center, even though we help out our community April 29th. And we take this entire building in December and we turn it upside down. And three to 400 kids in our community get new shoes and boots and socks and everything else. We do that. But that is not our purpose and our goal. Our purpose is to show people Jesus. And our goal is for them to come to know Christ as their personal Savior. Amen? But maybe you're thinking, how? I mean, how can I reach the world? I don't have that type of ability. I'm not Billy Graham. How could I possibly? I want to give you an illustration about ability. There's a lot of great ways I could use this as an illustration to talk about things. But I want to use it as an illustration about ability. If you recognize this, this is a what? It's a pizza box. It's also Little Caesars $5 heart attack in a box, right? If you order pizza, right, and the guy comes to your house, knocks on your door, do it you would be kind of shocked and a little upset if you, he opened the door and he's holding the pizza in his hand. It's hot and there's cheese running off. And you'd be like, whoa, whoa. You would say, where's 
the box, right? Listen, the box is not important, is it? Come on. I'm up here. Stay with me. The box is not important, really. But it, the box is a delivery method of what's inside. You see, if you're here and you know Christ is your personal Savior, what's inside you? Well, what's inside you is part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Now, I could use this as an object lesson to talk about a couple things. I could use it as an object lesson to talk about how that your shell, your body, what happens to these? Nobody takes these home and puts them on the wall and mounts them and goes, that's our first pizza box. Look at this. If you have one on home, you have a problem. What do you do with this? This is about 13 cents worth of material right here. You take the box and you throw it away. This is a great lesson, maybe some of you sisters in Christ. Maybe the outside of the box isn't as important as we think it is. You know what's important? Be healthy. Amen? Maybe dress size and makeup and all that other stuff isn't as important as we think it is. Um, this is also a great illustration for some of you who struggle with maybe self-worth uh, because of things your mother said to you years ago, things your ex-husband said to you, things that were said to you in junior high that have stuck with you and you feel like, I have no value, I am nothing. You know what you are? You're somebody that God thought was valuable enough to allow the Holy Spirit to come inside you. This is a great lesson on that. Uh, some of you young girls and young men, oh, young men, this is a great illustration about dating because sometimes, especially young men, maybe even young girls, we pick people who we want to date based on what? The box. The outside appearance and go, oh, well, she's hot. I'm going to date her. Well, wait a second. What's going on in... There we go. What's going on inside the box? And maybe the same thing with you girls. I don't know what's going on in a girl's head. I got... Counting animals, I got eight females that live in my home, and I still don't understand any of them. But, but you know what? This is an illustration, though. If you know Christ as your personal Savior, at the moment of salvation, you were baptized by the Holy Spirit. You, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. The illustration today is that if God calls you, if God leads you, the Holy Spirit inside you will enable you. Let me tell you two things about this as you take notes. First, this is not, this is, my ability is not the issue. That's not what I'm talking about. You say, well, I don't have this outgoing personality. I don't have the ability to talk to people. I just, it's just not who I am. Can I just say this to you? You are the person God wants to use the most. Doesn't 1 Corinthians say that God takes the foolish things and to confound the wise. God loves using things that have very little outside ability. You see, this is not about your ability. That's not the issue. The issue is my availability. Imagine the pizza company, and they're going to send you your pizza, and it comes out of the oven, they get the box, and they go to put the pizza in the box, and the box goes, no, I don't think I want, it's all right, it's all right. Anybody? If you get that old joke, you're old. But anyways, um, imagine if the pizza box says, no, I don't want to be used. That's silly and ridiculous. Well, how is that any different than a believer in Jesus Christ who has the Holy Spirit saying, I'm not going to love my neighbor. I'm not going to forgive somebody who wronged me. I'm not going to minister to people. I'm not going to mentor a young couple. I'm not going to tell anybody about Jesus because I don't have the ability. This is not an ability issue. This is an availability issue. And lastly, the ability is determined by the Holy Spirit in me. The Holy Spirit that's in you is determining what you can do. Now, Acts chapter 1, we're going to start our message today in. 
And tonight we will finish it in Acts chapter 2. This is a two-part. If you want to hear the rest of it, come back tonight or watch it online. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is, re is introducing the next big thing for the church. In verse 3, it tells us that he had been 40 days on the earth after his resurrection. And the disciples are no different than most American Christians because they want to know, okay, what's going to happen next? And here's their question in verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? This is what they're really asking, okay? These are really the two questions they're asking. What's the future going to be, and what's in this for me? You see, when they hear that Jesus is about his kingdom, they're thinking of what we call the millennial kingdom. There will come a time and place for a thousand years on this world where Jesus will rule and reign physically on this earth. It'll be a great time. Amen? But right now, Jesus himself said, no, my kingdom is spiritual. The kingdom of God now is in heaven. The kingdom of God now is anybody who knows Christ as their personal savior. The disciples are thinking, hey, what's going to take place during this kingdom reign? Because they know... Well, who's going to be sitting next to Jesus ruling? It's going to be them. And you know what? This is the questions basically the American church is about. There are so many believers. All right, I might step on your toes here. There are so many believers who are, and I'll just, this is my term, rapture experts. Oh, I just love talking about the end times. I just love learning more and hearing about the millennium and hearing about the tribulation, hearing about the rapture. There are so many, and that's what they are focused on. I can announce, I'm going to do a message on the rapture, and I'm going to do a message, and I'm going to talk about who the Antichrist is, and I'm going to pick the Antichrist. Ken, I learned a long time ago to stop doing that. I kept picking people, and they kept dying. So anyway, and you know what will happen? I'll get people that will come out of the woodwork. Oh, I want to hear that. I want to be... But I get up and announce, tonight, we're going to have a repentance service. If there's something in your life that needs to change, you need to bring it, and we're going to ask you to place it on the altar, and we're going to get rid of some things in your life. And the attendance is a little less. I announced this t Tuesday, we're going to meet, we're going to go out and talk to people about Jesus, and I need some people. The attendance is very low. There are people who love the end times, but with all due respect, God has not called you to be an end times expert. He's called you to be a people expert. He's called you to witness to people and share Jesus. See, this is Jesus' response. Verse 7. If you're here and you're like, Pastor, talk about more things of this and do this. I'm not saying you shouldn't learn it. You should learn some stuff because it's only because it's in the Bible. Amen? If it's in the Bible, we're going to learn it. We're going to study it. But you should not be a rapture expert. If you are, this is Jesus' response. Because it's crazy. There are ministries built on nothing but the end times. There's a guy who used to be on TV locally in Roxella and stuff. His entire ministry was about the end times. This is Jesus' response. And he said unto them in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons. This isn't something I want you to be concerned about, Jesus says. In fact, Jesus will also say later in a different passage, earlier in a different passage, you know, some of these things only the Father knows. I don't even know some of these dates and times that are going to take place. And he says, this is not your concern. And what does he end with? Which the Father hath put in his own power. It's not for you to be worried about. 
Because this is a God thing. Don't make the rapture your thing. Don't make the tribulation your thing. Don't make end times your thing. Make people your thing. I'm going to say this, and I say it again. I would rather you be an idiot for Jesus who knows very little. You're a Christian moron, right? Some of you have already got that. No, you're, you know very little. But all you know is that Jesus saves, and you know John 3.16, and you just go around telling people about Jesus. You're kind to your neighbors, loving Jesus. You actually took Jesus at his word and everything else and know little about Jesus. Then walk around with a borderline doctorate in theology in your head and never do anything. That's what Jesus is saying here. This is not for you to know. Now, just to clarify, the next big eschological thing is the rapture of the church. You can check that out in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But this, this is not what you've been called to know about. Theology is not what you've been called to know about. It has practical use. We're going to talk about that tonight. Doctrine is not what you've been called to know about. Knowing all the stories in the Bible are not what you've been called to do. What you have been called to do Right here in verse 8, the next big thing for you, for us, for the church, for every believer, verse 8. And by the way, if you look at it, if you have a Bible that has red letters, this is red letters, isn't it? But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and the othermost parts of the earth. Two things about Acts 1.8 I just want you to draw attention to. First of all, the power is the Holy Spirit. The power is the Holy Spirit. All right. I, I'm going to talk a little bit about maybe somebody you're watching on TV and you probably shouldn't. We have people who are misusing the Holy Spirit. They are literally blaspheming what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do. The Holy Spirit that comes and lives inside you when you accept Christ at the moment of salvation. The filling of the Holy Spirit comes and goes. You never have to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It took place at salvation. The filling of the Holy Spirit is like a car. You put gas in the car, you use it, goes down, now you need more of it. It is for you to minister, to evangelize, to reach other people. There are people on TV trying to tell you that the Holy Spirit is only for you being healed. As we read that verse, is there healing mentioned in that verse? As we read that verse, is there being rich in that verse? Is there a prosperity that's talked about the Holy Spirit? No. The entire purpose of the Holy Spirit is about you ministering and reaching other people. If you want to know a ministry is a cult, heretic, an error, find out what they believe about the Holy Spirit. And when they start talking about what the Holy Spirit can do for you, instead of what you're supposed to be doing through the power of the Holy Spirit, mark them down. They are a heretic. They are a cult. They have bad doctrine, and you want nothing to do with them. I need to warn you as a pastor. I don't say this often, but I need to warn you. Mr. Olstein is not teaching a true gospel. He is teaching falsehoods. Wednesday in our class, we're going to be studying the, the Word of Faith movement. I hope you already realize Benny Hen is not good. You should know instantaneously, anybody who hits people, that's bad. But there's other people like Joyce Meyer 
She is not teaching true doctrine. You need to be careful of these people. In fact, there's very few people on TV. Charles Stanley's good, but I'm sure there's a few other. There's very few people on TV I would encourage you to really watch. I don't know everybody on TV. Kenneth Copeland is dangerous. What he is teaching is false. He, <laughs> well, since this is a monologue, I will answer you, though. But Charles Stanley's great. Be very careful of the people. And how you can tell somebody that's dangerous is because they will tell you that the Holy Spirit is about healing you. No, it's not. The Holy Spirit is about making you rich. No, it's not. The Holy Spirit is about you. Well, Pastor, I could never forgive that person. Yeah, that's right. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Pastor, I could never share Jesus. I'm just not that type of person. Yeah, that's right. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Pastor Steve, I've had a tragedy in my life. I just can't go on. I just can't keep moving. I just can't, I can't serve God after what happened. Yeah. That's what the Holy Spirit enables you to do. You see, the power of the Holy Spirit is not for you. The power of the Holy Spirit is so that you can glorify God and that you can minister to other people. Amen? Amen. Watch these people on TV and they never talk about the Holy Spirit's going to enable you to evangelize. It's all about you getting rich or that you have to be healed. All things that God, God never promised. Next, the goal is expansion. Uh, Jerusalem, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. You are called to reach your family. Amen? But you are also called to reach Clarkston. You are called to reach Oakland County. You are called to reach Michigan. You are called to read, um, reach America. We are called to reach the world. One of the great things about the group that we belong to is we belong to what's the International Mission Board. It's the largest mission organization in the world. What's great about this, some of you should consider this if you're retired. If you've got time, why don't you go on a mission trip? I told 930 this, which is heavily senior citizen. I said this again. You're going to die somewhere. Why don't you die on the mission field serving Jesus? And I got the response that you gave me. <laughs> for, see, for some of them, it's a little closer, right? But anyway... Uh, but seriously, we bought part of, you can do something in the Philippines right now. You pay your airfare, get, raise money. We'll help you. We've got a board of people we've helped. You can go to the Philippines and help in human trafficking. They have ministries like that. You can go and be part of street ministry and evangelism in Africa. You can go to Europe. You can go all around this world and do something. You can be part of that goal of reaching the world for Jesus Christ. Amen? But right here, the next big thing, there's some things that I've been talking about for four years in Oakland Woods. The next things that are going to take place, and this year is the target. First, church planning. It's our goal that we start a series and we start through the next 4, 5, 10, 15, 20 years that we plant churches in our area that will also turn around to plant churches. We want to plant churches that will plant churches that will plant churches. Um, our Elevate thing that we're going to be doing on Saturday nights in uh, May and June, some of our speakers are going to be those church planters. There's some that are already approved by the North American Mission Board. There's some that aren't. There's some that we're already supporting. They're going to come in, and they're going to be some of our speakers on that Saturday night. And hopefully, if things work out, we'll get to partner with them, maybe be a big partner or maybe be a little partner with some of these. But it's my ultimate goal that one of our own young people, or we find another person, comes in, works as a student pastor for a few years, works in a ministry for a few years, we train them, and then we start setting up a church for them somewhere in the area. It could be Pontiac, it could be White Lake, it could be as far as the godless city of Ortonville. It's pretty bad, isn't it, again? 
it is, especially who moved in there last year. Uh, anywhere, and we start this process because it's my belief that God has not called us to meet in large group areas. In fact, that's what the early church did, and God brought uh, persecution and spread them out to smaller individual groups. In fact, as th- th- this is my opinion. As the time goes and as persecution against Christians begins to grow in America in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, what is not going to survive is the mega-style group. What is going to survive is the small group of 50, 60 people who, if they have to, can go underground and meet in homes if they have to. That's what will survive. So how do you know that's what survived? Because that's what's going on in China right now. And that's what went on in the Soviet Union. Smaller groups of people that could survive under persecution. God has not called us to meet in the Silver Dome. No, no. The palace. God has called us to start other local New Testament churches that will in turn start other local New Testament churches. Amen? And a great opportunity might be in the next three or four years. We might start one, and I might ask some of you to go. I will pick who... No, no, no. Just kidding. Next thing is our bus ministry. If you would like to volunteer, I've been asking for a volunteer to lead it and take it over. Um, I drove the buses last night, and as I was driving them, those bus kids, I was like, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) But we need someone to take that on. Jim Merrill, what were you doing this afternoon? Jim drove our bus, and he picked up some of those same kids. Those boys are crazy. They weren't last night after all that candy. But anyways, listen, here's the thing. You want to volunteer? Great. If you don't, give me money and I'll pay someone. I never ask you for money. I never talk about money, don't I? Say amen. That, oh, you're lying now. So you, listen, I never talk about money. I never ask for money. Say amen. That was weak, man. But you know what? Pastor Steve, I would like us to reach boys and girls on our bus and everything else. All right, then give me money and I'll pay somebody. I'm asking you for money for it. We've got a whole group of uh, apartments and trailer parks and different other people, boys and girls whose home lives are a mess, and they need Jesus. George got to lead two of them to Christ a couple weeks ago in Awana. Was that a great experience, George? All came from the bus ministry. Why don't you be part of that? You don't want to be part of it? Give me some money, and I'll get somebody to do it. Other ministries? A multi-purpose building. We've talked about doing some things. We're not going to build a big fancy church with pews that can only be used one day of the week. Our goal is to build a huge uh, multi-purpose gym slash auditorium. A couple of our men who know more than me told me, you know, we can get a structure, a foundation and lights and just a basic concrete floor. We can get it up for a pretty reasonable price. That's a conversation we're going to be having this entire year, talking about it, meeting, trying to find out if it's actually doable of what we want to do, but we want to do that. You know why? Because it's hard to do student ministry in Michigan without a gym. There's this thing called snow. Go outside. It's spring. You'll see it. How is it warmer in February than April? All right, there I feel better. Next thing, daycare. We have great facilities to do this. I've talked to some people. I think I might have somebody to lead it. We want to start a daycare down there, uh, not to make money, but we want to start a daycare down there to help some of our young families. There's a lot of young families that would love an affordable type of place where they could take their kids and drop them off. And then lastly, nothing? All right. Our addictions ministry. It's supposed to be up there. Big deal. That's okay. Our addictions ministry. Um, I don't get, and I I don't get people who struggle with addictions. I don't get it. 
Um, I know most drugs kind of put you to sleep, right? They kind of relax you. I, sometimes I think you just don't have enough to do because right now, if everyone will shut up for a moment and if I close my eyes, I will fall asleep right in front of you. I am tired. But I, these people struggle with this. Alcohol, addictions, over I mean, all sorts of things. And so this year, that's a goal. It's been a goal. This is the year we're going to start it because these people need Jesus. They need to be loved. They need to be cared about. Just because I don't get why somebody likes Jack Daniels or heroin or any of that other stuff does not mean their problem is not important, does not mean Jesus didn't die for them. He said, well, pastor, you're going to bring in people like this? Do you know what happened to me one time? I shared a desire, and it never came to place because it didn't work. But I shared a desire, and I was talking with these people in my church in Livonia when I pastored, and they were doing a ministry towards, it was geared towards homosexuals. It was towards helping them. It was towards getting them in a biblical lifestyle and to reach them. And I had people that approached, we don't want those people in our building. One person actually shared, they'll use our toilets. And I'm like, you need to redo health class. But what you really need to do is you really need to redo your heart class. Amen? Because we'll bring some people in here who wouldn't normally come in but our goal is not to have perfect people, because if we did, your pastor wouldn't be here, and neither would you. Our goal is to reach people. The next big thing in Oakland Woods, the next big thing in your life, the next big thing for the church is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even if they're messy, smelly, disorientated people. In verse 9, Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. Just, it's just outside, it's a group of hills just outside of Jerusalem on the eastern side. He's about to leave. Look at here in verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while he beheld, he was taken up, <clears throat> and a cloud received him out of their sight. He's left, but he's about to send the Holy Spirit the next chapter, and he's about to leave, but he's about to tell us to reach the world. The disciples are shocked, wouldn't you? I mean, he just, he just came back. We've only had him for 40 days. We thought he died. He did die. He came back. We've got him back. He's going to set up his kingdom. And now he says, oh, by the way, now I'm leaving. And look what they do in verse 10. They see him leave. And while they stood steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Side note, these two men are angels. And by the way, in the Bible, angels are always depicted as men. They're male, basically kind of warriors. They're, angels are not little naked babies. That's a weird person's drawing, but they're not. Anyways, why would you do that, Ken? Why would you draw angels like that? If I get to heaven and Michelangelo's there, I'm going to slap him. But anyway, weird fetish. Verse 11, and this is the angel said to them, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? That's an amazing thing to see, and I would be struck by it too. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Here's your response to the next big thing. There's only one or two, and one really isn't correct. There's only really one or two responses as a believer that you can have to the next big thing. Number one, you can be like the disciples, gaze and wonder. There they are standing there looking to the sky, amazed at what's happening. Gentlemen, do you remember that first time you saw your wife? So my son's not in here. Good, I can talk. Okay. I still remember that green T-shirt. Anyways, all right. You remember that first time you saw your wife and you were like shocked and like, ah. Oh. That's what the apostles are doing. They're looking into the sky and they're like, wow, look at what just happened. That's what most worship turns out to be. 
I'm all for worship that creates emotion. I'm all for worship that creates humility. And last week as we celebrated the fact that God would love us so much He sent Jesus to die on the cross, that's a great response. If you left here last week with a sense of joy that, God was, that Jesus conquered the grave, that's a great emotion. If you left here with some sadness and thinking of what Christ went for us, that's a great emotion to leave with last week. If you left with humility thinking, that is amazing that God would love me that much that he sent Jesus. If you left with it, that's great. But that is not God's intention for worship. God's intention for worship is not emotion. God's intention for worship is for you to take that experience and to do something with it. You see, you just saw something amazing like the disciples, and they are stuck there looking at what Jesus just did, and they are in awe. And that's what most people do with worship. They come to church, they sing the songs, and sometimes they have an emotional response. Okay to have that. But they're literally stuck like the disciples looking at the sky and going, Jesus, you're so amazing. Jesus, you're so wonderful. Jesus. And the, the angels are telling them, now it's time to get to work. Let me tell you two things about worship in your notes. Worship is not defined by a place. I have to be here. I have to be in my seat at 11 o'clock. And Pastor, you keep moving the chairs around. It's driving me crazy. I do that on purpose. Ha, 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 ha. Anyways. But I have to be here at a certain place. And I have to, this, because God has to know where I'm at. Worship is not defined by a feeling. It's not really good worship unless I cry. Worship's not defined by a ritual. Well, pastor, a pastor in Lafonia, a lot of interesting stories came out of that place. But uh, I will lead singing like the traditional songs. I, and if you've never seen me lead singing, I never do it the way you're supposed to. I always add words. I do it differently, like singing Amazing Grace to Gilligan's Island and stuff. You know, I just change things up. Well, I was doing it, and, and this one lady came up to me. Pastor, we always sing the first, the third, and the fourth stanza, and you're not doing it right. So every time she was there and if I had led worship, we only sang the second stanza. It's kind of a mean little kid of me, isn't it? But worship is not defined by place, by a feeling, by a ritual. Worship creates kinetic energy. You didn't know you were coming to science class, did you? There's two types of energy. There's potential energy. A rock, a rock just sitting there has potential. You could roll the rock you could potentially pick up the rock and throw it at someone you don't like. The rock has potential energy, but it's not doing anything. Kinetic energy, kinetic energy defined, is defined as energy that a body possesses by virtue of being in motion. Kinetic energy is when you actually take the rock and start it rolling down a hill and do something with it. Worship was not designed for you to have a feeling, for you to have an experience, for you to stare in wonder like the disciples in awe. Worship was defined as something that will create you to get moving for Jesus. If your worship is only about feelings, emotion, and rituals, that's not real, true worship. Worship pushes you to do something, to repent, to share Jesus, to love somebody. And number two, your response, his motivation to minister. Where are the 12 apostles? Well, verse 12 tells us they're on the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives is an amazing place. Just a series of hills on the eastern side of Jerusalem with trees on it and everything. But what happened at the Mount of Olives? Well, this is the place where Jesus will return. Zechariah 14.4, it says that he will return the next time Jesus steps foot on this planet. Someone says, I saw Jesus in a tortilla. No. 
Jesus won't be on this planet until Zechariah 14.4 again, and he will step foot on that Mount of Olives outside the eastern gate and split that mountain in two and walk through that eastern gate and declare himself to be the king. The Mount of Olives is also, remember, when Jesus cleans the temple out because of the money changers? He goes out to the Mount of Olives in what we call the Mount of Olives Discourse in, in Matthew chapter 24 and Mark chapter 13. And he talks about different things, oddly, ironically, about end times things and things that will happen in the end. The Mount of Olives is the place where Jesus came off. Remember Palm Sunday a few weeks ago? He started on the Mount of Olives and walked through that eastern gate as he presented himself at what we call the tri first triumphal entry. The Mount of Olives is where Judas betrayed him. That Mount of Olives out there in Mark chapter 14, 32, that's an area where the garden was at, where he was at, and Judas betrayed him. This is an important place, and the angel tells them, this same Jesus will return right here. What great motivation for the disciples to minister to people. I mean, with the power of the Holy Spirit, the disciples turned this world upside down for Jesus. You are literally here because the disciples took the Holy Spirit and with the power of the Holy Spirit shared Jesus throughout the world. Christianity could have died there in the cradle if they hadn't have done anything, but yet they spread Jesus. You're here today because of the events here. But for you, what do you do? I mean, you, you probably, like most of us, never go to the Mount of Olives. I, I don't blame you. Those people are crazy over there. Of course, we have crazy people here, so I guess it's a coin toss. You probably never will go there. You ask Steve, what, what can motivate me then to serve Jesus? Yesterday I did a, a wedding. And uh, I, made this, I made this promise to God that I would do any wedding and funeral for free, anywhere, anytime, as long as I got to talk about Jesus. God has taken me up on that promise, and yesterday was one of those events. Wedding was supposed to start at 2.30, then 3.30, then 4, to finally, all right, this is when it's starting. We are going to do this. I had people, it was just a, it was not a good wedding. The theme was DC Comics. Don't any of you ever do this to me. The groom wore a mask. Eventually went through it. I had to eventually tell them they had to leave. They were taking too long. I said, it's 5.30. I got 30, 40 possible kids coming in here. You can't be in the building. You're strangers. I got to ask you to leave. Eventually, you got to finish this up, guys. I'm sorry, but you got to leave. I had a couple adults, older people in the crowd that came up and thanked me, and they said, you know, thank you for bringing some dignity into this and things like that. I was like, hey, no problem. I, I was setting up the chairs, and Chris Thomas was helping me. So if you don't like the way they're arranged, blame Chris Thomas. And uh, there you go. Blame his wife. That's even better. But anyways. Uh, but Chris was like, why? he kind of said to me something like, you know, why are you grumpy? And I said, I'll tell you why I'm grumpy. It didn't bother me that they don't really take marriage that serious and they did comic book theme, which, whatever, pure, pure nightmare marriage. But anyways. Um, it didn't bother me that I had to scare them out and different other things. It didn't bother me that they didn't pay me because that's not why I do it and I don't get paid all the time and stuff. So that's no problem. I said, you know what really bothered me? At the end of the day that I had spent all this time helping them that they could have a decent wedding and go through all this, they didn't even thank me. I said, that kind of bothered me. That they couldn't have just said, thanks for your time. Spent a lot of time involved in this. Rehearsal Friday after driving the senior citizens. And then yesterday I spent about six hours here because of their wedding, getting it ready and stuff and doing it. And I told Chris, I said, it really bothers me that they didn't just say thank you. 
Do you know that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have an opportunity to be thanked by Jesus? If you know Christ as your personal Savior, when you leave this planet, the next thing you'll see is Jesus. And the Bible says, for, Jesus says, for some people, he will look at them and say these simple words in the authorized version. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. That's basically Jesus saying, you know, you didn't have a lot of advantages. You didn't have a lot of great things. But you took what I put inside you and you did something amazing with it. Good job. If your motivation today is that you have to go to the Mount of Olives, get on a plane. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you know what motivates me? Is I want to hear, good job. Good job. Thank you. Our job is to take what's been put inside us and use it to share Jesus with people. I want to pick on Jim Merrill for a second. Jim, stand up. Are you wearing shorts today? Yeah, every, come here. Every Sunday. Jim's one of our deacons. Look at that, and he wears these ridiculous shoes. Stand up there for a second. No, just stand there. You, you wear shorts, you're gonna bear the price. Stand up there for a second. Jim Merrill wears shorts almost every Sunday. It could be 40 degrees, it could be 100 degrees, it could be two degrees, 12 inches of snow or sunshine, he wears shorts every Sunday. He's a deacon and he has this ridiculous beard also. I mean, I, I go into a restaurant with him and it's like going with an Amish person. People are like, oh, hi, Jedediah, right? Look at this, right? Listen to me. I was raised in a very good, nice people, but legalistic church. I'm not going back. You understand what I'm saying? You weren't allowed to sing in the choir if you had a beard. You weren't allowed to do certain... We weren't allowed to wear shorts, ever, because that was somehow ungodly. And here I am, one of my deacons wears shorts. I told him at 9.30, so I'll say this to your face. I don't know anyone else in this church or in my experience who has ministered to more young people and young married people than Jim Merrill. He's let people live in his home. Kenny, going into the Navy, how long did he live in your home? Kenny comes from a very dysfunctional. Jim's a hard worker, taught him how to work, showed him some very basic things. Jim lets families come over to his home. He has a bunch of people that he tries to minister. There's even people who don't know or attend our church. And I said, hey, have you ever heard? Oh, yeah, I just talked with them. He's trying to help their marriage and because they make stupid decisions and stuff. Does all these different things. I can think of six, seven, eight, nine, ten. When we didn't have a student pastor when I first came, I had a meeting with the parents, and we said, well, what are we going to do? Because they didn't like my choice. Nobody liked that. So I said, okay, it's up to you now. What are we going to do? And everybody looked at each other, and people volunteered everybody else. Some of you were volunteered, by the way. Everybody volunteered someone else, and that couldn't work out. And Jim Merrill stood up and said, I'll do it as long as you need me to. I'll do it temporarily. That was for three years. I wish some of you would wear shorts to church. If it meant for you to mentor, minister, to reach people, I wish some of you would wear shorts.
Because if you're worried about Jim's hairy Indian legs, <laughs> then you're worried about the outside and not what's going on on the inside. Thank you, my brother. <laughs> Little brother I never wanted. Listen, what is it going to take for you to start ministry? Yesterday at the, at the wedding, there's only a few normal people, Ken. You weren't there. But they came up to me, a family came up to me, uh, said, oh, we go too, and they mentioned a different church in the area. And they said, does Ken Tyson go here now? And I said, yeah, he's helping our student ministry, and said, I'm hoping he'll stay with us and stuff. And they, the, they said, oh, here. And they brought the, this girl over, and she's like 24, 25. And, and she goes, this is literally what she said. Ken Tyson, Tyson changed my life. He was such a huge part as my pa student pastor. I love Ken Tyson. He is a great man. Katie Lawson said that about you. Can I ask you this? Who's saying that about you? Now, listen, we have people in our church this is just me talking. We have people in our church, grandparents, who help out. That is great. You're taking care of kids and doing things. But that's more of your responsibility than your ministry. You take care of your, well, Pastor, I'm reaching my kids. That's great. That's your responsibility to reach your kids. You're supposed to. God's already given that you're going to do that. That's not your ministry. That's your responsibility. Who are you reaching today with the gospel? Who are you going to let live in your home for a year and mentor them? If it means you have to wear shorts, wear shorts. Last week, I went to a funeral of a man, 90 years old. I was the youngest person there. When you're 90, most of the people at your funeral are 92. Mr. Earls. Mr. Earls ruined my life. He made me get involved in bus ministry when I was 16, forced me to. And then he had me go to, he had me go, listen to this. I'm just babbling at this point. Message is over. He, uh, he took me as a junior camp counselor. He went to my pastor, good man, pastor kid, and he said, I'm taking Steve as a counselor to camp. And this is what my pastor said. Steve? Steve Sheridan? Really? That was a quote. And then he took me as a junior high count camp counselor the next year. And then my, after my first year of Bible college, I came home for the summer. He put me in charge of junior church. I was 30 kids all summer long. I was responsible for them. My first uh, week at Bible college, I was away from home. I wanted to come home. I was crying. I called him up. He yelled at me and said, you are not coming home, young man. And he passed away a couple weeks ago, and I went to his funeral. I have no idea why. But for some reason, he saw something in me that no one else in the entire church did. And really, one of the reasons I'm here today is because of him. Your box, you, is nothing more than a delivery mechanism to share Jesus and the Holy Spirit with other people. So who are you reaching today? Who are you ministering today? Who have you led to Christ this year? Who are you praying for that you can witness to this year? The next big thing is to reach the world with the gospel. Amen?
we're gonna do something different. I would like you to bow your head, close your eyes. Band, come up. That's not unusual, but this is what we're gonna do. Bow, head bows, heads bowed, eyes closed. Band's gonna come up and just start playing. Adam, play as soon as you're ready. This is what I would like you to do. No one looking around. If you're under five, you can look around. If you're over five, close your eyes. All right? This is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to pray a prayer that something like this. Don't have to be these words, but something like this. If you're here and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I would like you to pray something like this. God, I have no great ability, but I want to be used by you. So, Lord, help me to be able to share my faith better. Help me to tell people about you. Lord, bring somebody into my life that I can mentor. Lord, help open my eyes so that I can see people that are hurting that I can reach. Lord, I'm willing to go around the world for you. And Father, I'm also willing to go across the street. God, help me today to be the next big thing and reach the world for Jesus. Head bowed, eye closed. Band's going to play. They're just going to start singing. Start whenever you're ready, Adam. Adam.